All right, what's up guys? So as you can see from the first video there, I was trying to get Leia to do a podcast with me and she was not having it. That's, that's two nights now that I've tried to get her to sit down in the chair and have a conversation and she's too damn stubborn to have a conversation with me. So I don't know. I don't know what's going on. But um, in this next video, you will see that I went out to the Northbridge Park, and that is off of Cosgrove Avenue. Hold on, we'll pull it up here. Northbridge, and you're watching this video now as I go out. So I tried to go out. Oh, damn it, I should have put Charleston in there. Oh, there we go. Charleston, South Carolina. Uh, Northbridge Park. Come on, man. Just give me the park itself. Uh, here we go. Let's try this on Wikipedia. But So, yeah, I tried to get Leia to do a podcast with me, and she wasn't having it. She didn't uh, have anything to talk about, I guess. So that was fun, and she almost broke all my stuff in the studio. But then uh, earlier this week, I went out and I tried to, to, um, to kayak Northbridge Park. It's uh, in West Ashley area of Charleston, South Carolina, on land owned by the South Carolina Department of Transportation, operated by the city of Charleston. It's on uh, South Shore at the point uh, San Rittenberg Boulevard crosses the Ashley River. Cost about $1.5 million. Fuck. Really? This park that I went to? Jesus, fuck. So I went there a couple of days. <laughs> was it yesterday? It was yesterday, right? You'll be hearing this on Friday, so this was uh, Wednesday that I went out there to Northbridge Park. Um, as you can see, I'm tooling around. Toiling? Tooling. Toiling. I think it's toiling. <laughs> I'm fucking, I'm doing, I'm cruising around. Let's put it that way. Um, the Ashley River, I'm going underneath the Cosgrove Bridge. My plan was to go out to Patriots Point and I knew I knew when I put in the water this day that uh, it wasn't going to happen because I knew the weather was going to be <clears throat> excuse me I knew the, the weather was going to be erratic and the wind was going to be too much there was some weather coming in I knew it was going to be a tough time but I didn't realize it was going to be this tough to where I couldn't even go a half a mile really realistically for one, you know, the kayak that I'm in is, is what they call lake or river kayak, and it's really made for kind of docile, calm water, 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 docile and calm waters. And this part of the river, the Ashley River, when we're getting out close to where it converges with the Cooper River and then it goes out into the ocean, to the Atlantic Ocean, I knew it was going to be a little choppy, a little uh, abrasive, a little hectic, and that's exactly what it was. I don't have the right kayak for it. I need to get an ocean kayak or a sea kayak or one of those words uh, that kind of both mean the same thing, really, ocean and the sea. They're a little bit longer. They have a little bit lower center of gravity. They have a, a smaller cockpit um, so that they, they can't take on as much water. Sometimes they're even a sit on top. Um, a lot of times, actually. 
and they're kind of self-bailing. Um, the kayak I have has a has a larger cockpit, a larger hole that you sit into. It's um, a little shorter length, a little bit wider base, and just not very conducive for a sea voyage, I guess. You know, when I used to be out in Alaska, and we're going to talk about this a little bit more later. I've got some notes written down here. When I was out in Alaska, uh, we used to go out quite often into the sea. Totally different kayak. Real small, uh, like I said, cockpit. We actually had a, uh, a skirt that went around the hole of the cockpit to keep the water out because the water there was hyperthermic. I mean, if you dunked into the water, if you got a bunch of water into your kayak, you were going to freeze. You were going to get hypothermic and have some problems. So uh, longer, uh, the kayaks had a rudder on it, so you could actually control the rudder with your feet underneath to, to steer you and, and give you a truer trajectory. So anyway, all that stuff combined is um, the reason why I need a sea kayak to get out onto the waters here because the, the, the sea is just too, it's too crazy out there. And uh, I could feel it, you know, when I was out there, I could feel that this kayak was not the right kayak for, for what I was doing. I felt like I was going to tip over. Matter of fact, this was the first time in, in all the times that I've been kayaking, uh, maybe not when I was in Alaska, but the times I've been kayaking the Edisto River and the Ashley River here in South Carolina, this is the first time I've actually put on my flotation device or my life jacket, as some people will call it. So that's how I wasn't scared, I guess, but I was just, I was more safety conscious. I said, no, you know, if I fall out of the boat or the kayak in this part of the water, even though I was pretty close to the shore, I probably didn't need it. I was being a little overcautious, I think, but uh, this is not the place you want to fall into the water and take your chances. I mean, there's riptides, there's currents, there's waves, there's so many different things than what you find on the Edisto or the Ashley River, you know, the upper part of the Ashley. Uh, you know, you fall out on the Edisto, you're just going to swim uh, 7 to 15 feet up to the shore and you're going to be fine. You fall out here in the ocean, or we're not even in the ocean yet, we're still in the Ashley River, but it's uh, more oceanic, more ocean-like, and you fall out in this part of the, o part of the water and you don't know what's going to happen to you. And then I had somebody that sent me a post or a, um, a warning that there was, um, what the hell was it? It was um, Man of Wars that had been spotted off the coast of the Low Country beaches. So that's not fun. Um, but a flotation device or the right kayak or any of that bullshit is not going to save me for, from a Man of War. Matter of fact, I was telling that friend of mine that sent that to me that my oldest son, Brian Jr., back around, let's say, let's see what year what, what year this was, 2002, 2003-ish, uh, my ex-wife had taken both the kids to see their family, and they went out to Myrtle Beach. And there happened to be some man-of-war off the coast of Myrtle Beach when they were there. My oldest was out in the water. He ran across a man-of-war. It wrapped around his entire torso, wrapped around, I think it was his left arm. I'm not sure. I wasn't there. I, I was uh, working still in Alaska, but he got uh, beat up and attacked 
I don't know if it's attacked. Do you get attacked by a man of war or do you just kind of run into it? I don't think they're out there attacking people. I don't think they're out there searching for someone to wrap around, but he ran into one. Let's just put it that way. Wrapped around him. Um, I think he passed out. He had to get uh, put in an ambulance and taken to the hospital. They had to unwrap this thing from around him. And he's still got scars to this day from that thing. So they are nothing to play around with, really. And, I mean, really, do you play around with them? No, you don't play around with them at all. But um, that's what was out in the water. I don't think there was any probably around me uh, that far inland. They're probably out, um, you know, off of the actual Atlantic Ocean. And I was a good ways away from that. So my plan was to go to... Patriots Point, which is where they have the USS Yorktown, they have a, a, a nuclear sub there, they have a couple of the Coast Guard cutters, things like that. But my plan was to to go out. I was going to go out to the Ashland River where it converges or merges with the the Cooper River. Um, you go underneath the Arthur Ravenel Bridge, which is the newest uh, bridge there crossing the Cooper River. It used to be the the Cooper River Bridge, and I think it had another name as well. What the hell was the name of that bridge? Um, Pearlman? Uh, God damn it. Let me look that up real quick. I think it was called the Pearlman something. Let's see. Cooper River Bridge. So right now it's called the Arthur Ravenel Jr. Bridge which was a senator here in the state, uh, commonly, commonly referred to as, as the Ravenel Bridge. It's a cable-stayed bridge, cable bridge over the Cooper River in South Carolina, connecting downtown Charleston to Mount Pleasant. The eight-lane bridge satisfied the capacity of, of uh, U.S. Route 17 when it opened in 2005 to replace two obsolete cantilever truss bridges. The bridge has a main span of 1,446 feet, the third longest among cable-stayed bridges in the Western Hemisphere. Damn, I didn't know that. It was built using the design build method and was designed by Parsons Brinkerhoff. So let's see what else we got here. The first bridge to cross the lower Cooper River opened in 1929, eventually named the John P. Grace Memorial Bridge for former Charleston Mayor John P. Grace, who spearheaded the project. The main span of the double cantilever truss bridge was the fifth longest in the world at 1,050 feet and soared 150 feet above the river. The main span of the second cantilever, cantilever was the 12th longest in the world. The total length of the structure was about 2.7 miles, blah, 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 blah. By the 1960s, the Grace Memorial Bridge had become insufficient. Damn, by the 1960s it was insufficient, and we kept that motherfucker till 2000-something. Uh, with its two narrow uh, lanes built for the Ford Model A's and steep grades of up to 6%, later changes to the side rail and curb reduced the lane uh, with further a new bridge was constructed. Okay, here we go. So that was the, the original two-lane bridge. I got you. It was two lanes. It was a uh, bi-directional. Um, a new bridge was new bridge was constructed alongside and parallel to it, named for the then South Carolina Highway Commissioner, 
the Silas in Pierman Bridge. That's what that's the one I was thinking of. Opened in 1966 at a cost of 15 million dollars. God damn! I didn't realize bridges cost this much money. And in 66, 15 million dollars. What is that worth today? My lord. Had three lanes. Uh, at a modern 12 foot width. Open to northbound traffic, while its older counterpart carried the southbound traffic, southbound, southbound traffic into downtown Charleston. I can't speak tonight, guys. I'm a very dry mouth um, for some reason. I'll, I'll get into that here in a second. One lane was reversible on the Pyramid Bridge, which led to signs warning use lanes with green arrow and do not use red X lane <laughs> on the bridge. Both of those bridges had become functionally obsolete by 1979. Extensive metal deterioration caused by the lack of maintenance shortly after Grace Bridge's tolls were removed limited the capacity of the older Grace Bridge to 10-ton vehicles, later 5 tons. Reversible land on the pyramid was eliminated. It had been able to switch to 3 land. Okay, I'm not going into all this, but there we go. So all that shit became obsolete, and they had to build the Arthur Ravenel Jr. Bridge, which they did. Uh, what year was that fucking bullshit? Who knows? It's too much stuff to read on this damn thing. Uh, 20 years in the making. What the hell? I don't fucking know. I'm trying to read. And I should be talking. Who knows? I'm not even going into it. Uh, they do a bridge run over both of these bridges. Um, I've done the old bridge and the new bridge uh, multiple times. But anyway. Where are we at now, time-wise? We're at 14 minutes, so we should be just about done with this uh, video <laughs> that you're watching of me traversing and getting out onto the Ashley River at the Northbridge Park, um, landing there. So that's that. I tried to do that. I'm not going to do it again until I get a new boat. So I've been researching um, kayaks for this ocean voyage that I need to do because I want to do that trek. But I gotta have the right boat, man. I'm not gonna put my safety out there and uh, put myself at risk. So let's. Oh shit! Let's pull up untapped. Almost just spilled my beer, guys. Uh, you didn't see that because um, I don't have the video going for what I'm doing yet. But almost spilled my beer right in my lap while I was trying to pull up what I'm drinking. What am I drinking, you ask? Well, calm down. I'm trying to wipe up the beer off the table while I look it up. We're doing the hazy little thing from Sierra Nevada Brewing Company. Here we go. As brewers, we get the privilege to sample our beers straight from the tanks in all their raw glory. Some beers need a little polishing to get ready to go out into the world, while others, 
The top-heavy or the hop-heavy rowdy crowd-pleasers should just be left alone. We wanted to share this brew only, this brewer only treat with you. So we represent, God damn it, I can't talk tonight at all. We present this hazy little thing, our unfiltered, unprocessed IPA, straight from the tanks and into the can. This is from uh, Sierra Nevada Brewing Company. We're going to pour it into a sweet water glass, as a matter of fact. That's the only one I had. Most of the others are dirty or in the dishwasher. So, Hazy Little Thing IPA right there from Sierra Nevada. It's pretty fantastic. I've had it uh, quite a few times. I bought a 12-pack the other day for Tommy and I. I took some of this out to the river, as a matter of fact, to the... Um, uh, the landing I was just talking about. So 6.7% ABV. It's got 40 IBUs. Average 3.8 rating. It's got over 154,000 ratings. Um, it was added back in 2017. So it's a good beer. I like it. It's hazy. It's juicy. It's um, unfiltered. It's got a nice little hot bite to it as well. You know, a lot of the, the hazy, juicy stuff... Um, Kind of takes out a lot of that bitterness, and this takes it out too. I mean, it's kind of smooth, but uh, there's definitely some hop bitterness still going on in there, even though it's at 40 IBUs. But let's see, what else do we have today? <clears throat> yeah, so I tried to get Leia. Leia, she's so fickle, man. I was like, come on, Leia, let's just do what I wanted to do. Here was my plan: is I wanted her to sit in the seat over here. I wanted to put headphones on her, put the microphone in front of her. And then I was going to, you know, kind of create a podcast between her and I. We were going to have a conversation. Of course, come on, a dog can't talk. We know that. But I was going to create a conversation between Leia and I, Leia and me. We were going to have a conversation, the two of us. And... I was going to try and figure out what she would be saying to me. And I thought it was going to be funny. Even if I could get her to sit there for like just a minute, I could have created something. But I, she wouldn't even stay in there long enough for me to get out of the frame and have her sitting there just as a, a guest. So Leia did not cooperate. Excuse me. Uh, so we talked about kayaking at the, at the uh, Northbridge, Northbridge Park. You just saw some of that footage. Uh, Monday, I'm going to have Roger Mindwater in here, finally. He's a local musician, uh, poet, um, just an all-around good guy from what I understand. I haven't talked to him much. I've seen him a few times up at Homegrown. He's, he's played the place a few times. He's uh, played some of the open mics around town. He has other gigs. He does some poetry. We're going to get him in here on Monday, finally, and talk to him and see what he's all about. So it'll be interesting to find out more about Roger. I'm not even sure if that's his real name, Mindwater. Doesn't sound real, right? Sounds kind of fake. <clears throat> so we're going to find out what his real name is, what he does, what makes him tick. So that's going to be interesting. We're going to finally get him in here. I've uh, been trying to get him in here the past two Monday nights, but I've had just had stuff come up that just didn't do, just didn't work. You know, this past Monday I was not feeling well. The Monday prior was uh, Memorial Day, and I had some other things that I uh, didn't realize I needed to do that night. So 
He will be in here Monday, and that will release on Tuesday. What else was I going to talk about? I listened to a Fighter and the Kid episode the other day with uh, Brian Callen and Brandon. Brendan? Is it Brendan? Schaub? Called the Fighter and the Kid. The Fighter is Brendan. The Kid is Brian Callen. <clears throat> they were talking about these cougars and coyotes, some different animals that uh, are kind of present out there in Southern California, around the Los Angeles area talking about what's the best way to fend off these animals. They were, um, they brought up, um, what they bring up? Uh, bear, like bear spray type stuff or guns or knives. What's the best way to kind of fend off these animals? I can tell you from experience, when I was up in Alaska, I was up there for six and a half years, stationed there at Elmendorf Air Force Base. Or Joint Base Elmendorf-Richardson is what it was called uh, by the time I left because they joined uh, bases with uh, Fort Richardson. So it was an Army base and uh, an Air Force base combined jointly. But when we used to go out and we used to hike around there, there was a lot of bear activity. A lot of grizzly bear and black bear and moose and some other, you know, lots of other things up there as well. But the main thing was... The bear activity. So when you went out for a hike, a couple things you wanted to do. One thing is you wanted to wear some bells with you. You wanted to put some bells on your belt loop or around your neck or whatever. You wanted something that was going to make some noise that was going to let bear know that you were coming, that you were walking on the trail, and maybe they would scatter and disperse and leave the area because, you know, like you always hear, you know, they're more scared of you than you are of them whether it be the bears, whether it be the snakes, whether it be whatever animal you want to talk about. You know, we're supposed to be the top of the food chain, which we wouldn't be if we didn't have uh, tools and weaponry. Um, we would definitely be at the bottom of the food chain around around most of these areas. So, uh, what was I saying? Oh, so yes, you wanted to wear bells. You wanted people to know, or you wanted these animals to know that you were coming down the trail. The second thing that they would tell you to, to do when you got stationed there or when you uh, started living there was make sure you carry a firearm with you. So Alaska didn't have these rules that all these other states have. It was a free carry state. I could carry around a firearm uh, walking down the street anywhere I wanted to go, walking down any trail I wanted to go. When I first got there, or the entire time I, I was there, I had a 357 Magnum that I brought with me that I purchased in Georgia, as a matter of fact, when I was stationed down in Valdosta, Georgia, way back in the early 90s. I brought that firearm with me to Alaska, and people would tell me, you know, when I'd say, uh, you know, the, the, the wife and I and the kids were going to go out hiking at XYZ uh, Trail, and the people would say, oh, you better make sure you bring a firearm with you. And I'd say, oh, oh yeah, I got a, a, I got a, a Smith & Wesson 357 Magnum. <laughs> and they would laugh at me and say, oh, you're going to need a bigger gun. You better, uh, you may, might want to get a 44 or 45 or uh, something with a little more firepower. And I'm like, what? I got a six-shot um, 357 Magnum. What are you talking about? I mean, I'm a pretty good shot. I have a marksman's rhythm. 
um, from the Air Force, <laughs> I think I can kill a bear. And they're like, no, you don't realize these bears, you know, if you're talking about a grizzly, uh, brown bear, these guys are six, seven, eight feet tall. And they've got heads, you know, the size of this uh, TV that I, that I have sitting here um, and bodies that are just incredible. If I shoot five shots, if I'm not super accurate with a five-shot gun, or I said six, I have a six-shooter, um, into the head of this guy or straight directly into the heart, all I'm going to do is piss this animal off, and um, it's going to continue to fight me. So they recommended a much bigger gun. But the other recommendation that we had was bear spray. And from everything that I had heard, and, you know, short of killing the animal, which you don't really want to do. I mean, you just want to discourage it from, from attacking you and killing you. But uh, they would recommend bear spray. So we went out and bought bear spray. And I would also carry a, a, a knife with me as well. So you'd be out on the trail, you'd have, you know, a backpack, you'd have some bear spray uh, with a carabiner attached to the front, you'd have your sidearm, a 357 on the side, most people had a bigger gun than that. Uh, you'd have a, maybe a pocket knife, a survival knife, uh, we'd have some bells on there making some noise, so yeah, I get it. But we're talking about Los Angeles right here is what we're talking about. What is the best weapon? I think, I still think to this day, the bear spray is the best weapon. Now, you might not always get away. You might have a bear that is, um, or a coyote, or a, a cougar, whatever. You might have one of these animals that is resistant to that. I mean, there's there's people, right? You have some people that, um, they're out in a the crowd. <clears throat> they're causing a protest. People throw some pepper spray out there, some... Um, Man, I just can't get my thoughts together today, but you might have um, tear gas. That's what I'm trying. That's the word I'm trying to use. They'll throw some tear gas out there. Each one of us have different reactions to that. It might really fuck me up, and there might be somebody else that just can walk right through that shit. So same thing with a bear. You never know. You might need that gun, that 44, that 45, that you can stop that bear with. But uh, most times, bear spray was fine, and I think that will work for most animals as well. It's kind of like a pepper spray. It's kind of like a um, um, mace is what people carry around for people, right? There's some people that you can spray mace directly in their face and they just keep on coming. They just don't, uh, they have a tolerance for it. They don't, it doesn't fuck with them. So that was something that I thought was interesting. And, you know, we used to go out all the time on the trails in Alaska saw a few bears here and there. We saw a few moose here and there. Moose, you don't really have to mess with them. You just, uh, the thing that my, my mom always told me is, is if you see a moose, put a tree in between you and the moose. The moose are pretty dumb. They're not, I wouldn't say they're dumb. They're just not as aggressive. And if you just, you put a tree in between you and the moose and you're going to be fine. You walk around that tree, you go around, the moose comes around the other side, you go around the other side. You're going to be able to outs outsmart the moose uh, they're not very agile, they're not very uh, fast, but uh, you try to put a tree in between you and a bear, that bear is going to get around that fucking tree and fuck you up. That's all I got to say about that. Enough about that. I just thought it was interesting. Um, 
if you're going to carry anything out on the trail with you, let's put it this way, carry some sort of spray with you. I think that's going to be your best option. And you're not going to kill somebody. You're not going to kill something. You're not going to kill the guy next to you when you fuck up and shoot something. You know, you shoot somebody. Um, you're shooting sporadically. You're you're in the moment. You're not going to kill your partner. Just like, uh, what was it, uh, Dick Cheney <laughs> shooting his buddy out there when they were out hunting. That's all. That's all. That's all. I took... Um, <clears throat> This podcast really sucks. I'm gonna be honest. It really, I should have put it together a little bit better than what I did. It really sucks. It does. I'm almost ready to, to just stop the tape. The tape, there's no tape anymore. I'm about ready to stop the recording. Anyway, I took Leia to the, uh, to the vet the other day. You know, I kept getting these notifications. Oh, Leia's due for a vet visit. Whatever, blah, blah, blah. So I took her in there. She's all excited. She likes going to the vet. She'll have been a few times. But it's been uh, it's been a year or more since I took her over there. And when I got there, you know, uh, they did X, Y, Z. They looked at her. They picked her up. They weighed her. They looked at her gums. They come back in and say, okay, we want to do X, Y, Z. We want to do these shots. We want to do some blood work. We want to test for heartworms. We want to do this. We're going to give her that. And it came out to, you know, a few hundred bucks. And I'm like, you got to be fucking kidding me for a dog. I mean, I don't pay that much when I go to the goddamn doctor. You know, I pay a copay of 20 bucks when I go to the doctor. If that, sometimes it's only 12 bucks. If I go to the VA, it's free. Um, And I know I've got insurance and I I don't have pet insurance. I think that's ridiculous to have pet insurance. But uh, they want to charge me a few hundred bucks for stuff. And I said, no, Mm, no. I want you to tell me what I absolutely have to have to meet the requirements of the law. And that's all I'm paying. That's all I'm going to get. I don't need this. I don't need that. I don't need X. I don't need Z. I don't need Y. And the bill came out to about half of what they were trying to charge me. So my point is, and here's my life lesson. If you have an animal and you take it to the vet, make sure you're not paying for shit that you don't fucking need. Because... Every business out there, whether it be the insurance company for your car, whether it be the vet, whether it be the doctor, whether it be, I don't know, name your fucking thing, everybody is going to overcharge you. 100%. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I'm not going to say that there's some people out there that won't. Every single person is out there to make a buck. 100%. They're going to overcharge you for shit. Make sure you're informed when you go to these places um, even the cable bill, you know, even your uh, cell phone, even name your thing, fill in the blank. They're going to try and overcharge you for shit. So don't let them do that to you. Take control of your situation, of your finances, of your everything, and let them know you're not going to be pushed around. You're not going to pay for extra services and extra fees and extra uh, goddamn things that you don't need. Inform yourself. And make sure you know what you need when you go to these places. And don't pay extra for extra things that um, are not warranted, that you do not need. They're up charges, they're up services. Even if you go to a restaurant or a bar, any of those damn things, they will try and upsur- upcharge you and get you to buy stuff that you do not need. 
And if you want to pay for that stuff, if you got the money to pay for it, so be it. Do that. Good for you. But I'm not going to be nickel and dime to death by any of these things uh, any longer. <clears throat> Whether it be a homeowners association <laughs> or whether it be extra charges at the vet, extra shots, extra tests that I don't need. Uh, same thing when I go uh, for my personal health, even though I, I paid just a flat fee. Um, don't do it. Don't pay for those extra things, man. Inform yourself. Know what you're getting into. Know what's going on. What else do I got here? That's about all I got, man. I'm not going to sit here and talk all night. What are we at? Let's look at the time. We're about 32 minutes in. That's about what we normally do for a solo episode. I'm sorry I couldn't get Leia to talk with me. I know she has a lot to say. She probably has some mean things to say about me. Probably not. I take pretty, pretty good care of Leia, and so does my roommate, Thomas. Tommy. All right, guys, I think that's about all I got. We will have Roger Mindwater in here on Monday for a Tuesday release. I'm still trying to get the Rivercraft uh, put together and get some, some more notes on that. One thing I would like to say, Craft, Con or craft uh, Conundrum over in West Ashley, I went over there on Wednesday of this week after I tried to go out and kill myself on the, on the water. I happened to go stop in there and talk to Karen and Richard and found out, sadly, that they are shutting their doors after five years of business over there in the craft beer business. Uh, they've been a great staple of West Ashley and of the craft beer scene in Charleston for, like I said, five years. And sad to see those guys go, you know. Uh, Karen used to be uh, <clears throat> one of my moderators and... Um, Teachers, influencers um, on the Keto Dojo on Facebook. And both of those guys have been great. Uh, they actually came up with the name for the Keto Dojo. As a matter of fact, Richard did. And I'm sad to see those guys go, man. They they run, or they ran, or they still run until Saturday, a business just like uh, Homegrown Brew House. And... Um, I know they're going to do great things in the future. They'll probably pop up with something new. Maybe they open their own brewery, which would be fantastic. You know, add to the brewery scene here in Charleston. But I'm sad to see those guys go. It was great to see them. And if you get a chance, either uh, Friday afternoon, evening, or Saturday, get over there to Craft Conundrum. Give them a good send-off. And I'm going to miss those guys. So on that note... I will talk to you soon, guys. I'll talk to you soon.